All right, gentlemen, are we ready? Let's go. We are ready. Welcome to another episode of Geek Anthology. I'm your host, Neil Porter, and I'm joined this week by the one true Ben and Mike. And this is our last episode of 2021. If I have scheduled things correctly, it should be going live like the last week of 2021 as well. Like in on, on the Tuesday, the 28th is my current objective. Um, we thank you for putting up with the weirdness of the scheduling. I'm going to try and be better in the new year. A New Year's um, resolution that writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although Every maybe you shouldn't officially matter. make it one because statistically New Year's resolutions are almost never kept. Every year that for that matter. Um also I'm sorry to uh to my to my co hosts uh that I've lost the uh audio for our episode of on Dune. I thought it was really good, but it uh it evaporated somewhere. It's in the ether. Yeah. And that's wow. all the and that's all that any of you will get to hear about that because it was a weird it was a very bizarre stream of consciousness episode that worked perfectly for an episode of Dune, uh, <laughs> for an episode it. about Dune, but is also entirely unreproducible. Per- perfectly meta, right? Uh, uh, TLDR version is uh, it kind of sucked, but kind of well, also kind of really good. cool. <laughs> Speaking, keep in mind but we're talking about the David Lynch Dune from the eighties. Yes, we were talking about ye oldie Dune. Yeah, new Dune's pretty good. Yeah, ye old Dune was trippy, which made it kind of cool. Anyhow, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we are here to talk about expansion packs to games. You remember expansion packs? DLC before the internet was prevalent? <laughs> so, I mean, that's <laughs> essentially what they were, except they were better than that because since they had to, since, you know, they had to get people to go, to, go out and buy them in the store um, and typically are going to pri- charge a higher price for them, they also had to have a larger chunk of content. That's what we're going to be talking about. But first of all, Jeez. of course, uh, signal boosts. Boosts of signals. Mm-hmm. What we got, folks? Well, I will uh, kick things off. As uh, I suggested the topic with uh, Final Fantasy XIV Inwalker having released earlier this month, and uh, that's kind of on brand for my recommendation. Um, there's a YouTube mm-hmm. channel, uh, Desperus FF14, so it's we'll have it in the doobly-doo, but uh, it's DES. If I remember to doobly-doo it, because I it's, forgot to the last couple episodes, too. Well, I can right. plug it in there. It's D-E-S-P-E-R-I-U-S, and then space F-F-X-I-V, Z Roman numerals, as they are so fond of doing. And it's just a uh, just a neat channel. It's got a lot of um, really handy guides and stuff as far as like, so you want to do this thing, you want to level this job or whatever, you know, like uh, ways to be efficient and interesting ideas for like market board type stuff and all that. So if you play the game, you want to check some stuff out, be more efficient. So, interesting story stuff. about Final Fantasy fourteen. You can't buy it right now. Indeed. Like, you can't you, you cannot start playing it right now. Of course that's as of December the twentieth. Yeah, as, as of actually recording. upload this to the internet. That may be different. Well, I'm it's not gonna sure be the twenty eighth. So as of as of re- recording, yes, you cannot actually um, download and play it. Um, this is the most like um, on the nose example of something being a victim of its own success. Right. <laughs> it's like you know they're uh, they're in an awkward spot where they they've uh, they have the the money and the will, but they don't have the parts because of uh, supply chain, COVID complications, yada yada. Um, well, then they so... just literally don't have the server space. Um... Well, no, that's what I'm saying is that they're they yeah. would, they would want to have already had new servers, but they cannot because of the things I just said. Yeah. <laughs> She cannot take much more, Captain. Yeah, so they had to do a patchwork of, you know, Mm -hmm. of things to kind of help 
draw down the queues and stuff. And they've been magnanimous enough to um, give people a total of uh, subscribers, that is, not free trial people. Uh, those plebs don't get same stuff. <laughs> well, of course, you're well, not paying anything I, I, anyway. Although so I've heard you, that you, you can try a free trial of Final Fantasy XIV oh, up go. to uh, up all the way to level 60 without having to pay for anything for it. Blah, blah, blah. Look up the meme. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Well, what's funny now is that that's become the anti-meme because it's like now people are like, oh, no, we memed too hard. <laughs> we didn't know our own strength. <laughs> we memed but, too uh, deep and woke up something terrible. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. The uh, 21 days of free game time altogether. It started with seven. And they said, we might give you more. We'll wait and see. And then later on, they're like, yeah, we're giving you more because it's pretty crazy. So TLDR <laughs> version is extremely long player queues and some server errors. Although as we speak, they're doing a um, they're doing a, a patch. They're doing a big maintenance thing that's going to fix the, uh, the error that was getting people booted out of the queue. Hopefully. Although I, I hear that that has, um, that has abated somewhat. I haven't had it happen in a while. But um, yeah, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, Desperus, a lot of good vids there. Check them out. So, well, since, since last time was lost, I can recycle my uh, signal boost, <laughs> which enough. is Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, and it's apparently then, in a much better shape than it was when it first Oh, came infinitely. Out. I could actually and play it. I enjoyed it when it first came out, and I, I haven't played it again since. I don't know if they've added much content much or any content. I know I think a lot of what they've done so far is uh is I mean, bug here's fixing. The thing. Yeah, well here's the thing. The content that they did have in it was amazing to begin with. I mean oh, yeah. I mean I'm like what um where am I in it right now? I am oh come on, according to this it's still running. Ah, uh, there we go. I'm like eighty five hours into it. I finished it once, but I'm going back and redoing as much of the content as I can before I do it as a different type of player. What was your uh, what was your life path? Uh, street kid. It's the one I. That's the one life path I haven't uh, done. I haven't done yet. I've done Corpo and I've done Nomad. I started with Nomad. Nomad was a lot of fun. Right. It doesn't change See, my, much, but it but it's yeah. still great. Well, my my first one, my first one was a uh, was a male Corpo, um, and then I kind of stopped, and so I was, let's try something different. So I did with a female uh, female street kid, and female street kid changes your romance options. Well, so yeah. um there because are two there's... male there's two male romance options and there's two female romance options. Exactly. You've got uh if you're playing a guy, you can romance uh You can romance Pan Am. Pan Am and uh Carrie Hetrodyne. Right. And then and uh, playing a girl female, it's River Ward and uh and uh Ju- uh Julie? I wanna say it's Julie, yeah. Yeah, the the who cyber the, uh, who was who the, was the best girl in my opinion. Though. The brain dance runner, yeah, brain dance, yeah. yeah. So that, those two, those two have been pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, but you know, doing all of the little side missions, all the little things that pop up as you get close. Yeah, you know, for all of the other fixers, um, doing the cyber psychos. That's that's been interesting. Like I said, it's been it's like so. This is what life as a merc would be like in you know in twenty seventy seven. Yeah, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven in Night City. A lot of fun. You can get the Batmobile. Well, you get more than one Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Well, I found one that was outside of the city. There's in a little cave. More, is there more? Oh, you one? got the actual Batmobile. Batmobile, yeah, yeah. You can get that too. But yeah, you can buy. I mean, there's a whole mission to buy every car that's available in the game. I always, uh, I rode around on the uh, on the Akira. Um, mm. Yeah, because there's. I always play. I I played a bag badass uh, hacker chick from the from the nomad families, and um, so yeah. 
Hack, hacks are a little bit OP, honestly. If you can if figure them out, I'm you still... go real hard into them, you can essentially just make almost any combat encounter a joke, but... Yeah, because you can, you can hack people. Yes. Or drones, so... Anyhow, um, Cyberpunk 2077. Ben and I can both agree that it is a good game. It a is game a I game. haven't played yet there. Nice my contribution. You're in for you're in for a treat, man. I do recommend it. Um, so I've got a couple things I can recommend here today. Um, as of this recording, number one, um, Spider-Man: No Way Home. It's it's a movie. You could go see it. It's really good. There will be an episode coming about that here in the new year. This is, by the way, the last episode of the year. Um, but. Uh, Check out Spider-Man No Way Home. It's really, really, really good. Um, um, also, I have only recently started it, but I can definitely, I can wholeheartedly um, endorse a game called Disco Elysium, um, which is a, like, from a from an interface standpoint, it's a semi-classic, like, CRPG. Um, but what is uh, interesting about it is it's, you're playing as a police detective. Um, give me a second here. Sorry. Uh, you're playing as a as a police detective who wakes up after a night of getting bl- blackout drunk, unable to remember anything, and I mean mm. anything. Um, but it's it's uh, at the same time your skills, your actual skills, and your stats talk to you in your head because they're all because they're semi they're like they're like aspects of yourself. So like mm. my. Um, my empathy has been talking to me a lot recently in that game, mostly mm-hmm. telling me what a rat bastard of a man I apparently was before, <laughs> uh, before the game started. Um, and you can like, you, you, you can learn things, you can learn things about yourself, um, by essentially stating them to be true. So like, apparently my character is a, uh, is a militant feminist, like, like, like the stereotype of, the, uh, of the, uh, of like the man hating feminist. Which I think is hilarious. Um, Wait, I thought you just said you were a guy. Yes, he is. So he's a self-hating guy. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, like here's the thing. It, it can go so many. It, you like, and that's because I decided to roll with it. And you can actually you can make that part of your personality, and you get bonuses and or de- and and or penalties for various things that you, various thoughts that you have had that you have decided to internalize. Hmm. as core aspects of your being <laughs> um, it's really hard to explain yeah but it sounds pretty high concept but it, I, it is it is pretty I high remember concept. hearing i remember hearing but some good things like, about it though I, I would recommend looking at some at at some reviews of it uh from people who are better at this sort of thing than i am well, i know it's on steam so it's on steam it's on gog um i can recommend uh give me a second here uh, there's a YouTube, uh, there, there's a YouTuber I really like, um, uh, who does video game reviews, uh, called ACG, um, and he does a very good, his review of it is what got me very interested in it, and, uh, it's, it's really, it's like, like I said, I, I, it, it's hard to describe, but damn is it good. I'm also streaming it on my Twitch channel in case you, uh, care about that. There's even a Twitch integration so that you, so that, that, that I might be, that I might theoretically enable for like a second playthrough, uh, so mm-hmm. that people watching the stream can influence my decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> that would be quite amusing. Uh, so, so that'll be, that, that'll probably be a thing, although I'm going to do at least one personal playthrough first. What'd you say, Ben? Oh, so there's another one that you might find interesting, uh, Neil, you may already have it. Yeah. Um, it's the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. I'm, I'm familiar. I've played the Ace Attorney games before. So yeah, 
Ace Attorney's fun, but it's it's a very different sort of thing. Like Disco Elysium is mostly a, a is is mostly like psychology the game, mm-hmm. and so but so it's not it's not really the same as Ace Attorney, but it is. But Ace Attorney games are great too. Yeah, they look fun. All right. Um, shall we get to the episode proper? We shall. All right. Spoiler of the year. Spoiler of last spoiler of the week of the year, at least, which is. This podcast will appear in the Game of the Year edition of uh, of uh, Geek Anthology <laughs> with bonus content. Really need to figure out how to do, but like bonus content for the Patreon, so that maybe like the Patreon takes off. It's so busy, I never, I don't sleep enough. Anyhow, that that's neither here nor there. Um, who wants to start? We're talking about expansion pack. Well, my go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Mike, because my my experience is very limited. All right. Well, I figured I'd kick things off since uh, it was my Wanna suggestion. Want to start with Shadowbringer or whatever it's called? Well, that's the previous one. Zen Walker is the new one. No, I was thinking um, we'll avoid the MMO expansion packs because that's its own episode. There's so much to explore there. Um, Too much but, to unpack. Uh, I guess uh, my first, let's see, I think my first video game expansion pack would have been Warcraft 2 uh, Beyond the Dark Portal, which actually these expansion packs go or is just kind of okay. Like, it's kind of a glorified, you know, <laughs> to use your analogy, you know, it's kind of a glorified DLC. I, I don't know. That's not really fair. It's it's a decent expansion pack. It's not particularly short or anything, but I don't know. It just there's nothing. There's not like a whole lot of wow factor. I mean, I guess uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess you could say that some people thought it was it was cool for some people because it was like, oh, you're venturing forth into the orc homeland of Draenor. So that was like this big crazy thing at the time that was mind blowing for people. But I, I didn't. It didn't really. You know, I didn't find that particularly crazy or anything. It I mean, didn't it work solid, for you. It was a solid expansion, but you know, it wasn't anything special. So for um, this, let's let's kind of get what we're you know we're working on. What counts as an expansion pack? Let's kind of define that real quick. Um, well, as opposed to DLC. I mean, I guess you guys can figure it out because I was just going with expansion packs. That is, as aren't technically mm-hmm. going so, DLC. So if you want to make your own rules of engagement, that's fine. Because I'm really just going over actual expansion packs. So I mean, theoretically, it's an expansion pack because it is marketed as such. Right, um, but it has like new maps, right? Expansion pack oftentimes is more than just new maps. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one aspect character. of it. It's right. usually, uh, especially for anything that's story driven, it's frequently additional story. Okay. Um, which is why I thought that your idea of the Fallout New Vegas expansion or DLC really mm-hmm. works because they mm-hmm. are functionally expansion packs, even though they are marketed as DLC. Right. Well, expansion have both, though. Like, there's some Fallout game ex- DLCs that are just like, hey, here's some extra stuff. Yeah, and then there's, right. Then there's some that are actual, like, what you're describing. Where it's packs. like a, its own yeah. self-contained story or whatever. Right. Right. So, and we're, we're going to see that in what, Fallout 4 and Fallout... Uh, I don't, uh, so, so like, that. that's really sort of the cutoff for me. Is it... Uh, is it something that um, that you know it act- mm-hmm. actively expands strongly on the game? I'd say the right. easiest way to define it for the purposes of this episode is just something that could be played on its own and considered its own game. Yes, right. uh, regardless was, of how long it is. I right. was thinking that, however, because it's like you know, sometimes it's not, hey, there's might, more cards or the case there's some more maps like, or whatever. Right. Some, yeah, exactly. With some expansion packs that are some games that are definitely expansion packs, you lack the context without having played the original game, but well, we don't have to yeah. get into too many semantics. I just mean yeah. its own game in the sense of its own gaming experience. It doesn't right. have to be its a own story. story or something. I just mean yeah. like it is yeah. a video game experience on its own. Okay. You don't you don't have to yeah, def- play something else. 
Yeah, I got you. Because not all this stuff is going to be story-based, per se. Most of it is, but not all of it. I definitely get behind that as an offer. Okay, so I was just trying to make sure I was, you know, kind of in in the spirit. (laughs) So, you know. Well, um, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of material there, I'm sure, between the various Bethesda oh yeah. games. Oh yeah. All right, go on. So uh, I was just mentioning um, I was mentioning Warcraft two because that was my first expansion pack that I ever played, and you know that was kind of I, I guess a bit of a yardstick to compare other uh, expansions to and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then of course, um, I mean, several of these are Blizzard because they were it was like the Golden Age or the Blizzard <laughs> its prime or whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, Check out our episode, The Rise and up. Fall of Blizzard Entertainment. Yeah, for plug, more plug, details. plug. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like that little box in a comic book where it's like, see issue 14, <laughs> more or less. Right. So, yeah, um, we had uh, StarCraft Brood War, which is still one of the greatest video game ex- expansions of all time, in my humble opinion. Agreed. Uh, it had, on a story level, on the single player campaign level, it just had great story, great characters, character development, twists and turns, uh, even better production values. Just everything was just great. Uh, cool cinematics. Um, that was also another thing is back then when those Blizzard cinematics were actually like really impressive for their time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they even released like a DVD that just had all the cinematics collect people salivated over that stuff so much. Um, anyway, Brood War also just had like a lot of really cool gameplay um, going on with the additional units and balances and stuff that they did. One of my favorite, um, I was a Zerg player mainly, and uh, one of my fa- favorite units to this day is the Lurker, the little things that scuttle along and then like burrow underneath the ground and shoot up the spines, like uh, like uh, kind of like something between... I don't know, trimmers and I don't know, stalagmites. If if trimmers from the movie Trimmers, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> um, could, you know, shoot Graboids. Up. Yeah, <laughs> graboids. Uh let's see. They had uh the Dark Templar was added, which was those permanently cloaked uh little like commando assass commando dudes for the Protoss that They'd have like psionic blades that would do a crap load of damage. They were so powerful they could splat a zergling in a single hit. They did like 40 damage in a 30 foot point. Um, and you could merge them and make the dark archons, and then they could like mind control units, which was crazy. That was literally a game changer because you could mind control a worker drone from another race, and then if you had the resources, you could just start building their shit, and you could have a whole other army because <laughs> it had a you know you had the cap for like you know supply depots or whatever the equivalent is for whatever your race is, um, and then you could conceivably make a whole nother army if you have the the resources actions per minute for it so yeah just it changed the game in so many ways and expanded it and it's kind of the thing that cemented starcraft into like a legendary game for all time more or less like people are still nuts about it to this day in korea i mean well everywhere but especially korea right and they had the um they had a their little you know cash grab hd remake uh, a few years back starcraft so yeah um that was one of the big ones for me <clears throat> um then of course another another Blizzard um, expansion Diablo two Lord Destruction which of course yeah I was going to bring that one up which of course is included in um you know the uh, the uh, remake the Diablo two Resurrected of course that's all a big package deal and of course yep. the battle chests that was always the thing with Blizzard games the battle chest um, I'm just doing a quick overview of the ones that I was going to focus on we can we can kind of you know flip back and forth and expand on them um, mm-hmm. but um, that added a lot of like loot and the whole rune word system, which is really cool. And the fifth act, um, of course, you got to collect the whole set when it comes to the primevals, and you didn't actually get to fight Bale in the base games. Um, spoiler alert: in um, in Lord of Destruction, you actually fight the Lord of Destruction. I know it's shocking, <laughs> um, but it had some really cool set pieces. It was very cinematic. You had like the siege weapons going on, and, like fighting on the walls. It had a bit of a like um, like crusades or medieval aura like vibe to it, or like you know you like the stronghold game 
games, you know, kind of had a bit of a vibe like that in those set pieces. And uh, yeah, it was just a really solid expansion. Uh, and it kind of did for Diablo 2 what uh, what Brood War did for StarCraft. Um, the other one, it's funny, all the ones um, that I'm really focusing on are, are RTS expansions. I guess, generally speaking, those are the ones that like have had the biggest impact on me if we're not counting MMO expansions. I mean, there have been some good um, RPG expansions and stuff over the years, but it tends to be sequels more than expansions when it comes to those uh, for me. But the other big one is um, Command & Conquer General Zero Hour, which, holy crap, like, this is up there with Brood War for me because it just added so much content and value to the game. It's crazy. So just to give you some context, um, with Command & Conquer Generals, you know, you just had the three factions. You had the USA... China and the GLA, which is the Global Liberation Army, which is, hey, what if uh, what if terrorists all around the world created a union around mm-hmm. the world as one big terrorist group that was its own, like, official army, essentially? Um, and so, you know, that was, um, those were the three main factions, and that was it. But in, um, in generals, they split it up. So you had, like, you had the three vanilla factions for USA, GLA, and China. And then you had the specific generals, where you had three generals for each faction. So it was like 12 different factions or choices, if you will, where you had the base version and then like, you know, the three general versions of each one. And basically what the idea with the general is, is that the general has some sort of focus or like signature, like unit or move or whatever. And then they would have some drawbacks. So like the GLI had a toxin general that was really good with bioweapons, but he didn't have so much in the way of explosive weapons. And then you had the Chinese tank general that had these big off amazing tanks but didn't have you know, maybe so much in the you know form of like the air force uh, and like the the usa had like a laser focused general and an air force focused general and stuff like that so you have these like specialized things and it made multiplayer really interesting with all the different options and stuff and it had it it had its whole like challenge mode where you had to like you had like a map like a scenario like a level like a regular level in an rts uh campaign where you're doing like a head-to-head thing with the with the general so you had like nine of those that you could play on various difficulties and stuff and the generals would like taunt you and stuff whenever you know shit would go down is a lot of fun it's really great so yeah that's that's what i got we'll revisit those as, as needed and as, as time allows but i just wanted to kind of vomit that uh, out there for discussion i can definitely echo war um lord of destruction brutal and lord of destruction um for my for the other two that i would really that i could talk about for a while with frozen throne for warcraft 3 and yep. Command and Conquer Red Alert 2 Yuri's Revenge. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Good picks. Um, and then Ben will talk about Fallout. Because the <laughs> FMV in Command and Conquer wasn't cheesy enough. You just had to take it to a whole new level. <laughs> hey, it wasn't Red Alert 3 and Space! <laughs> Red Alert 3 and Space. So, you know what I'm talking about. You played Red Alert 3, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I Soviet, did. Tim Curry. I'm going to the one place where capitalism cannot reach me. Space, except he says it in a manner that is almost impossible to uh, replicate. It's Tim Curry, man. It's just, yeah. he, he just, yeah, it works. <laughs> right? It's so cra- It's so silly that it becomes great again because Tim Curry. Yeah. Because Tim Curry. Well, because Tim Curry said it, it is great. So, but, so, you re- we ready for me to to wax uh, poetic on um, Fallout DLCs? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, yeah, because my, my video game limit experience is very limited. Basically, Skyrim, Fallout, all Fallout. And, uh, you know, recently, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, but, yeah, so Fallout, if I had to pick one that, to me, had the most 
<clears throat> involving DLCs. That's got to be New Vegas. Um, because New Vegas had four DLCs, each had its own map and its own area, but and the um, sub story too, and and exactly, and that's the thing is, is that all four of them were connected by one narrative thread that led from one to the other to the other till a fourth one, um, and that tied everything together. Yeah, um, it you know. like th- this it the fact that Fallout Two is the way it is is the reason. Or not Fallout 2, sorry, Fallout 4, or Fallout New Vegas, and its mm-hmm. DLCs are the way they work. I totally would argue that they combined are mm-hmm. an expansion pack. And exactly. honestly, they probably standalone would also really count as such because you could play them standalone, although mm-hmm. they'd be kind of short if you did that. Well, when you think of it, I mean, you start off with dead money um, and you're trying to basically do the, you know, uh, the Sierra Madre, mm-hmm. um, which you're trapped there. You can't get out. Um, you know, and I think that's the other thing is, is once you step into those, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, once you step into Sierra Madre, yeah, you can't get out. You've got to finish it. Once you're in the big empty, you can't get out at least for a good long while. Right. Well, the next one in there is, and so in that one, um, old world blues, right? Uh, well, it's dead money, honest hearts, old world blues is one of the big empty and then lonesome road. Um, so dead money starts it, which is where you find out about Veronica's, um, you know, Veronica's ex, uh, and meet her. And, you know, that starts it, you know, with, because, um, her ex and it originally, uh, worked with this, you know, strange other courier. Uh, and so you've got to go through that one. And that one is a, you know, it's a mind fuck on its own. Um, you know, cause you got what, uh, Dean, uh, is it Dean Devlin? I can't remember. Um, it's been a long time since I've played New Vegas. I've been thinking right. about uh, replaying it. But you know, basically the uh, one of the one of the old entertainers in New Vegas, and you know, it it touches on you know greed and um, dog and God. I mean, that just that's a mind fuck in and of itself. Uh, and then Veronica, you know, um, <clears throat> but it seems you know it seems like once you're done, you're done. And it's the only one you can't go back to yeah. once you complete it. So, you know, it starts getting you cool stuff. But Honest Hearts, I think to me, was one of the most, uh, I don't know, invo- one of the most involving because you're dealing with, um, uh, oh, God, um, I cannot remember, the Burned Man um, yeah. and um, Caesar's, uh, Kaiser's former legate. Um but you know, it adds it adds also one of my favorite guns in the game, the forty five. Yeah. Um, and but you know, working with the tribes and just exploring uh, Zion Park, which you know, again, real place, very beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and it's big on survival. It puts you out in the wilderness. Um, but again, you're it relates back to the main story because uh, the Burned Man um, is. Um, um, you know, is part of the, you know, was originally part of the, uh, you know, the, um, the Legion. Yeah. But then you get into old world blues, which is like the comic relief of it all. It's scary. It's deadly, but it's funny as hell. The, you know, uh, before I forget, I just wanted to mention, there's another one that, uh, I'm sure we'll wax poetic on shortly. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a DLC, but it's uh, but it fits our definition of expansion pack, which is uh, Borderlands mm-hmm. Two: Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep. Oh heck yes, that's <laughs> that's right up there in my favorite expansion content. Well, well, uh, well, well picked. Yes, <laughs> awesome. 
So yeah, old world blues. I mean, that takes you to the big MT. And again, you're not getting out of there without yeah uh, until you're done. But that one, you know, you can have your spine, your heart, your brain replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain you talks know. to you. And yeah, your brain talks to you. Says, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that you and I aren't together anymore. Right. Um, and what the doctor's uh, comments on all of your hand penis. Right. Yeah. The the one female doctor um, who is yeah very penis obsessed. Um, Things got, by the way, in case no one knows what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> um, or yeah, the one who is you know obsessed. Play with, Fallout already, didn't we do? Haven't we done like a five episode series on it by now? Right. Exactly. Six. <laughs> <laughs> but as you play through that one, you find out that the uh, that Father Elijah from way back in Dead Money had already been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was what he had done there that allowed him to get into uh, into the Sierra Madre. But it's also here that you see that Ulysses had been here. Um, it was the other uh, courier who's been the, other the, the through line for the... Uh, through all of these. For, for the DLC, yeah. Right, because he had traveled through Zion... Um, you're essentially following his footsteps the entire time. Exactly. Um, and then basically then you get into Lonesome Road. And oh my God, this Lonesome Road. Oh. I mean, by the time you're done with Lonesome Road, you and Ulysses are either bitter enemies or fast friends, you know, the way I, to, to my to my thinking. Yeah. Um, because everything that happened was a result of your actions, but you never knew the actual result of that. Um, and he wanted me dead and to, uh, and to, and to quote, uh, Michael Jackson, not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. And I took that person. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, and you know, but throughout, and of course you, this is the only one you actually can take a companion with you. And that's Eddie. Well, um, sort of, it's, it's a different Eddie. It's a, is specifically for, there, there for the lonesome road. Right. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a clone of Eddie. It's just got Eddie download into it, but that's yeah. also in that one, you get to, learn about Eddie's backstory, mm. you know, and Eddie takes on the, takes on the, um, takes on more of a faithful dog, uh, feel to him. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're done, yeah, your, your whole past with Ulysses, you know, comes, comes, you know, comes full circle. And I love that, you know, after, once you're done there, you walk out with that coat and whatever path you're on reflects in the back of that coat of your yeah. uh, courier's jacket, which is to me, just one of the coolest pieces of costuming in the game. I will take that with lesser armor as long as I can until I absolutely have to upgrade it. Yeah. You know, it's but a badass yeah, coat. It, yeah, it's a badass coat. And it's, it, it's just the whole thing. I mean, going through the, uh, and going through the, the, uh, lonesome road, that whole area, the, you know, the, the burned ones and the, you know, the radioactive areas and just, you know, it's and at, by the end of it, it feels like it's just you and Ulysses. There's cause you really don't interact with anyone else you talk to except Eddie, which is very different from the, the rest of them. Lonesome road actually really lives up to its name. Yeah. yeah. And it also stands like, yes, there's small tie in in that mm-hmm. Ulysses was apparently supposed to be carrying the platinum chip before you, right. Before you got but, it. Um, that's the only real tie-in to New Vegas directly. Right. Well, and the only reason that Ulysses didn't carry the chip was because he saw your name on the list right after his. And so that, you know, made his whole thing personal because, and yeah, and that's the only one too, where you can drop a nuke on the, uh, on the Mojave wasteland. Yep. <laughs> or you can just blow them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the only one that had an area that I could not complete. Really? 
Yeah, the um, there is a uh, there's that uh, Lonesome Road area that's very radioactive. I couldn't get past it. Now I might be able to do it better now, but when I was first playing it, no, I was at a loss totally. I just could not. I could not make it past it. I don't fully remember that, but uh, it's an area it's you been, can. Yeah, it's yeah. been literal years since yeah. I've played. Right. Uh, New see, Vegas. So. Right. And see, I think that like you know because it was a decade. Yeah. I think that <laughs> set the yeah. Well, it came out in 2010. So yeah. You played it when it was and I played it almost brand line. new. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I did play it brand new, and and I think that set the bar for the uh, Fallout Four. Because it took what they did with Fallout 3, you know, and said, no, nah, no, nah, we can do better than that, <laughs> you know. And so the Fallout 4 DLCs, you know, they they kind of integrated a lot better, but they weren't as nearly as well integrated as, you know, with each other as the uh, as the New Vegas ones were. Almost like Obsidian Entertainment was run by ex-Black Isle studio people. Maybe. Yeah, strange thing, right? But yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is about those, each one of them introduced new stuff that you could carry into the, you know, back into the Mojave Wasteland. All the recipes and stuff. It's amazing. Did uh, Black Isle Studios do the Baldur's Gate games? Uh, they did. Uh, I know they did Icewind Dale, and I think they did Baldur's Gate 2. They also did, most importantly to all of that, Planescape Torment. Yeah, because that's another thing that was on my radar um, <clears throat> on the making notes of exp- famous or just expansions that I had personal experience with was uh, Baldur's Gate 2 Throne of Bale, which I didn't really play a whole lot. I, did, I didn't, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it. I just didn't uh, wind up getting the chance to, but um, that, that was one of those games that was like technically expansion, but it was so long and involved that it was essentially it's, an, its own game. And it was like the big conclusion to uh, the previous uh two games which the first one had an expansion as well so there's like a lot of content before you get there it's like a big conclusion to that whole bale saga and whatnot so yeah and i mean for those are you know because i i enjoyed skyrim you know and i enjoyed like dragonborn stuff like that but nothing really stuck with me like the ones from new vegas you know just the feel for all of them um getting to know the characters um you know getting to know the burned man getting to play with those new toys, you know, and, and everything. It just, I think that, that, that intertwined storyline is what really did it for me. That made that one, my standout, uh, you know, um, expansions. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, to me, the one I would go back to time and time again, actually is honest hearts. Um, cause it just, it is, you are out in the wilderness and it just has that feel, um, there's one where you actually uh, you actually get to go on a vision quest. You actually have to drink mushroom laced tea to become a member of one of the tribes. And one of the best parts about the about um, Honest Hearts is an unmarked storyline where you find the survivalist who was um, this guy who basically shadowed some of the survivors and helped them survive, eventually taking a wife from one of the tribes, uh, one of the groups of survival survivors uh, before, you know, finally dying of old age. But you just, you find his caches in his, uh, his, his hideouts where he basically f- from hiding helped survivors uh, make it through 
recent, you know, the, the first few years after the war and you get one of the best guns in the game from, from that too. It's like a, it's like a service rifle that just fires 50 caliber and it just beats, it beats ass on almost anything you shoot. (laughs) So shall we geek out about tiny Tina? Just a second. Yeah, go ahead and start. I'm dealing with something that I've had to put off for like a month, and I finally had the energy to do it. So go ahead and start. Tiny Tina, roll for initiative, fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Ashley Birch doing the the voice of Tiny Tina. It's just amazing, and um, just the whole presentation and comedy and all the tropes. It's so great. I mean, just you know, it's 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 got different levels. So it's just like. If you're just somebody who enjoys playing video games, yeah, it's fun. If you're a Borderlands fan, it's even better. It's and then it's like if you're a D&D fan on top of that, it's just pure gold. Cuz basically it's uh the premise is Tiny Tina has the different like characters from the various classes that you can pick in the game all around a D&D table. Only it's not Dungeons and Dragons, mind you, it's bunkers and badasses. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, yeah, basically you're playing like a, like a, her like little campaign that she put together. Um, so it's, it's very meta in that sense, because it's like, you're playing a game that is, that she has made for you. That's a tabletop game inside the video game that you're actually playing. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. And it, and if the... you'll forgive the spoiler for a game, that's not exactly new. It's also Tiny Tina's characters, uh, methods of, uh, dealing with grief. Uh-huh. Yeah, as, uh, she does like she does uh, <laughs> she does the voices for like different characters, and it's just funny like to hearing like how similar or different they are, and just the the ridiculousness, and you know, there's a lot of like just um, a lot of playful jabs at like the the nature of like you know like a tabletop game with friends and the little the the shit that happens, the like side talk and jokes and ball busting and uh having to come up with something on the spot that's very obviously on the spot and just you know (laughs) uh fights being way too hard or easy and stuff like that just pretty much anything you can imagine is explored in one way or another extends his hand to you roll for initiative it extends (laughs) his hand to you in friendship we're gonna roll for initiative to see who gets to act first i got a natural 20 please brick don't fuck this up i punch him Also, it has my second favorite NPC in all of uh, Borderlands. Uh, once again, getting to play semi-prominent role. And that is, of course, Mr. Torg! Yeah, Torg's great. Torg's great, and um, and he and Torg gets to challenge the, uh, the challenge. Like, Torg actually gets to have a poignant uh, bit of commentary on gatekeeping in geek culture. <laughs> because Lilith is all like... No, you're not a real fan. You're a muscle-bound. And Torg's like, no, I've been playing Bunkers and Badasses for years. Yeah, sure, I'm a, be- I'm a muscly ma- macho man, but it's not like you can't, like, it, these two, these things are not mutually exclusive. So it's, it's really, I like that. Joe Manganello has the Gary Gygax Memorial Dungeon. Uh, you know, his basement is a big D&D dungeon. I always loved that. <laughs> I always yeah, loved, loved that uh, someone, everybody. some... Some fitness person be like, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. I got, I don't have time. And Joe Manganiello responds, I do. And then a picture of him on the cover of Men's Health. (laughs) (laughs) We had a whole, um, they had a whole like themed game where they had him and Travis Willingham and the big show, a wrestler from back in the day. Uh, And they, they called Mm -hmm. it Jocks Jocks Machina. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's pretty hilarious. You should you should look it up sometime if you if you want a good laugh. It sounds uh, excellent. Pretty amusing, yeah. I think uh, if I let's see who was that? It was one of the main D and D guys that DM'd. It was like I think it was Jeremy Crawford that DM'd that one. It was, it was, it was either him or Mike or maybe both. I, I know one of them was DMing for it. I want to say it's Jeremy Crawford. I get them mixed up sometimes. So anyway, yeah, simple enough to look up. Jack's mucking now. Yeah. I just think it's like this. I don't. Yeah, play, I don't waste my time with Dungeons and Dragons. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Titan is just great. Of, it had a lot of like you know a lot of characters from throughout the throughout the games showing up, and it was funny where like they would have like an obvious like they'd have a character that looked slightly different and had like one letter different in their name or something like that. Um, Kind of like how they did with the the first DLC, I think it was, was the, the Dr. Ned or Dr. Yeah. Zed, you know, <laughs> with the zombies and all that. So, yeah, they have those things where it's like, oh, they've she's like she like very obviously changed one little thing about a, a character or a monster or something. Yeah. And it's really fun watching the uh, the regular voice actors for the characters speak in very Tina-esque. Uh... <laughs> right. Yeah, it gets really weird because then it's like there's a voice actor doing a version of her character doing a version of them yeah. <laughs> so it's like again it gets very much like russian doll inception weirdness you know <laughs> yeah. but it's pretty it's pretty damn hilarious uh, but you know it's one of those things where it's like you can only describe it so much you really have to experience it and yeah. it's definitely an experience i will say this too it's like it's not the kind of uh it's not the kind of funny where it's like you smile to yourself it's the kind of funny where you laugh out loud yes like it's just it's uh, it just catches you off guard just out of out of the blue the craziest shit will happen the mike and i was... played through that together and it was just it was uh, a it was blast so amazing yeah <laughs> i'm so glad that you recommended that because i had those dlcs and it was just kind of sitting there and you're like no you don't understand you need to fucking drop everything and start playing. all right i trust you and i was like holy shit where has this been on my life <laughs> yeah it's good stuff that's definitely up there so if you want to so and actually this is a this is a good way to reinforce um the difference between an expansion pack and a DLC. Tiny Tina's, I would very easily argue, was an expansion pack. Mr. Torg's Campaign of Carnage is DLC. It just sort of happens. It's there. But it's it's it's, it's not its own, really its own thing, other than let's have a tournament arc. So. Yeah, some, sometimes there'll be like DLCs that kind of thread the needle of our definition where it's like they'll have some sort of like challenge mode or horde mode or something where it's like, yes, it's its own game experience, but it's a fairly like self-contained yeah. or limited one you or know to destruct yeah. peak if they're 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 not. yeah um so we both talked about uh rts um expansion do we want to talk more about uh i guess we talked about brood war did you play uh warcraft 3 and uh, plus plus and or frozen throne yeah i did i remember we've I, I've, I've talked about how i sucked at that game on the podcast before. so did i I was like, oh, yeah, it's a great game. I completely suck ass at it, so I didn't play much of the multiplayer, but great game. <laughs> I, I sucked at, I sucked at the single player. I had to cheat to see the story. I, that like, reminds me is uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite Penny Arcade comic strips ever is they actually like built in a little gif in like embedded a little gif in the second frame of the comic and is uh paraphrasing off the top of my head it's like it it's it shows the it shows like the little uh, interface for the warcraft 3 like multiplayer menu where you're like trying to find a game and it says and the first frame is like uh well no it's like i think it's like gabe sitting down in front of the computer and there's like a little warcraft image of a warcraft 3 box next to it and then like the second image is the the monitor with the little gif and it's, it's that little like creature eye that little green eye that like searching for a suitable game yeah no suitable game found exactly 
Searching for a group of burly men to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> burly men found. Burly men found. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the one. Uh, well, I found it, but okay. Well, your your uh, your search foo is strong, but yeah, I, I just laughed my ass off. I mean, first of all, it's just hilarious in and of itself, and then the fact that they went to the trouble of implementing the gift to actually see it. And then on top of that, that it perfectly applied to me because I could not win that game to save my life. <laughs> I mean, that pretty much sum that's the best way to like summarize that multiplayer experience. Like there's not a more concise way. To, yeah. I, I only ever played RTSs are like so the only RTS I ever played multiplayer was CNC Gold over a dial up modem. I remember playing Command and Conquer Red Alert over dial up good times. Um, and I had this annoying strategy that seemed to work irritatingly well against my opponents, which was, uh, creating a nigh on indestructible defense, defensive perimeter and waiting for my opponent to run out of resource. <laughs> the old, that's basically the turtle strategy. Yes. I, which I, I failing strategy. I turtled very hard, <laughs> but, Man, I, about out but I turtled very, very efficiently too. <laughs> like to the to the tune of by the time my opponent like I remember one time my opponent was like ha ha because he was medium tank rushing me as GDI yeah and he had like you know eight or nine tanks which is pretty horrendously bad to deal with except I had um fourteen artillery turrets and two obelisks of nod and two obelisks of light for, as nod at the only entrance to my base. I yeah, see. He needs to. He needs to get his micro up, though. Like what you do in that situation is you you hit and run, and as your if your stuff gets too damaged, you just send it back to the repair thing. That yeah. No. Eight. He. Uh, you got a good enough micro, you can you can overcome that. Yes, he could have, but this was you know how many years ago, and there aren't strategies on the internet, and yeah, the what have you? Great. Yeah. There's a lot of. Yeah, thousand so, papers and all that. It's not the best game you can turtle in. Uh, the best game you can turtle in is Total Annihilation. You can't turtling is absolutely a one hundred percent valid strategy that's in a, that game. A, yeah, that's a bit of an of an anomaly because you reach a certain point where, like the name implies, you just send a bunch of nukes down. But uh, more of it. it's the only way to be sure. Good old Total A. I love Total A. Um, it had an expansion pack that I never played called uh, the Core. I own it. But I've never played it. So Command and Conquer Red Alert Two: Yuri's Revenge. It's its own camp. It's 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 it, it's a new campaign at the end of, of Red Alert uh, Two, so you don't have to have actually played Red Alert Two at all. Um, and you have to deal with Yuri, the mind controlling Rasputin wannabe, um, trying to take over the world, and you time travel, and it's just a lot of fun. Hello, is there anyone else there? Do we lose connection? <laughs> no, I'm still here. I'm just thinking time travel. That's it. That's always gives me a headache. Well, I mean, Red Alert, the whole concept of Red Alert is time travel. So it's, yeah. you know, it's on brand. First, yeah. well, yeah, but this is, this is, this is a new time travel, new tra time machine. Not the one that, uh, that Einstein used to go back in time and kill Hitler. Well, I guess, I guess Red Alert 2 is a different, like, um, I don't know, timeline or universe or whatever than the first one, I guess. No, nope, it's, it's the same one. Oh, it is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Then they just uh, eliminated yeah, any mention of Nod. Yeah, well, that was just like a little Easter egg at the end, more or less, I think. Mm -hmm. He just kind of shows up next to Stalin. Yep. Kremlin or whatever. I got to say, the, the, the guy... The guy who played Kane, being, you know, that he was a video game developer, did a pretty <laughs> good job of playing Kane. Yeah, well, I mean, especially when, you know, I mean, you know, like, when you put, up, put him up against, like, everyone else. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
it's a pretty low bar. So he looked pretty good in comparison. But yeah, yeah, I always found I always found him one of the more interesting, charismatic types, which makes sense because he's a global. Yeah, he had, he, he, sure. he did very good. He did very well facing down, turning his eyes up to the camera and being lit from above. Indeed, <laughs> it was lit, yo. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, that was uh, he was <sighs> basically like a Yuri was like a splinter faction from yeah. uh, Soviets. I was disappointed that they didn't have a Yuri campaign where you could just win as Yuri. It just had a campaign where you could play as uh, <clears throat> excuse me, where you could play as either the Allies or the Soviets. Do they not? Um, huh, that's weird. I yeah, just I, I just assumed that there is that it that, that yeah, faction sure. had its own campaign. There within. wasn't a Yuri faction campaign. It was disappointing. That's a giant missed opportunity yeah that was kind of uh what was interesting about the starcraft campaigns is how they like intersected and you saw things from perspective of yeah actions like that was super interesting yeah it was really great getting to see uh getting to see things you know build up from like especially when you play both campaigns back to back so you're like okay so this and then you do practically you do missions in the same place but you essentially win instead of lose well the Um, the thing about it is um a lot of people just remember like you know how many units starcraft sold or like the the gaming tournaments that it helped prop up like there's all these things about its legacy but a lot of people overlook the fact that it actually drove forward like how single play single player campaigns and rts's are like designed and what their expectations are and stuff and like mm-hmm. they really elevated that where before like you know let's use the original command and conquer as an example it would just you know it would just be like a bunch of missions kind of strung together and there wouldn't be much of a story and what story there was they just throw in a few like you know cheesy fmvs or like some dialogue in a briefing or whatever and it's pretty basic you know there wasn't really any you know there sure as hell wasn't a lot of character development when it came to that stuff yeah it's just like, oh, hey, I'm the generic white bread GDI, you know, stick up my ass commander guy. Go get him. Go, <laughs> go team. And then like, hey, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the spec ops guy in the field. And it's just, I don't know. People just like one dimension. Yeah. Cardboard cutouts. But yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, I think also just, you know, like I was saying, the, the character development and stuff like that, like actually having meaningful characters and stuff in that genre, yeah. as opposed to just that was something character. that Starcraft two that Starcraft definitely started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was some of that in Warcraft, but like, you know, not to the same extent because the game was whole, the, the, the way they designed the game was like, they had like the little briefings with the characters and their exchanges and stuff. Warcraft two had like its lore and named characters and stuff, but it was pretty much just like reading a little scrolling text thing, you know, Warcraft had voice acting. Yeah. That's the big, that's and the big cut scenes in the fights. Yes, in-game cutscenes. Uh, a lot better than that FMV crap. Although I um, like the FMV crap. I enjoyed some of the much. FMV crap. Well, I think I find the FMV crap to be. Uh... It's it's like the room where I mean not quite the room level, but it's so it, it's definitely like there's some it's so bad it's good like it's endearing you know there's something endearingly campy about it yeah yeah it's like uh, I don't know like the uh, the old Adam West Batman I guess in that sense well given that I have the Adam West Batman as my uh... As my icon in uh, in in Discord, you you know that, that I have a certain appreciation. Kennedy, yes, <laughs> Cape Crusader. Oh, I'm tired. So, uh, what other expansions made a big impact on you, Neil? Or have you played the shit out of? Um. So, I mean, as far as that goes, you you touched on it already, but Lord of Destruction was like that. That when my brain says expansion packs, Diablo Two Lord of Destruction is what is where my brain goes. Um. Yeah. I logged so many hours in the game. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, but like I got to the point where I was timing out 
um, hell level bail runs with my with my uh, boas on. <laughs> well, not and only I could did get them in like two and a half minutes, I want to say. Not only did it have the fifth act and uh, all the like additional loot and runes and all that jazz, but it had two new classes. So like just I that... never played the dru- the druid or the assassin. Oh, the assassin was like my go-to character. My, my brother had the play, had an assassin that he played. Um, See, I found but... like the, I found that the I feel like the assassin was like really fun to play, but not like didn't seem like as effective as some of the other classes. I uh, I, I never got a particular um, view there, so. Well, yeah, you didn't really have any experience with it, but mm-hmm. I like the whole shape-shifting thing that the druid did, and that was yeah. pretty interesting. Ran into the same problem I always run into with ARPGs, even. The one that I won't shut up about, Path of Exile, which is the leveling process blows. Starting low level and working up to to high level things just is never fun. I don't know. Like with Diablo, I feel like that's a big part of the enjoyment is the progression, the feeling of, you know, meeting the meeting the milestones and stuff. Because it's like if you're just kind of in there with all your toys already, then it's just kind of like, all right, well, I'm just doing the just doing this run ad nauseum. And that's it. That's the entire game. See, okay, well, let me let me amend my my let, let me the first 10 to 15 levels aren't very fun. Okay, so this is like D&D 5th edition level 1 through 3 syndrome, more or less? Yeah. Yeah, where because it's like, hey, it's you just your like... Fisher Price, my first abilities, and like you don't even have like all of the core like buttons set yet. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, that's yeah, kind like... of... Training wheels part kind of sucks, yeah. Yeah, like in Path, of, in Path of Exile, you hit, the end, you hit the end game around like, say, 65, 70, and the game always feels bad to me up until about level 35. Um, I know that you don't you don't play that, but it's the it's the example that I can think of because yeah. it's just like you typically don't even have the actual your actual like skill that you're going to be using in the end game available to you until then. It's like so so you've been leveling with something that just works for leveling, and yeah, that that that's always been my it's been my problem with with ARPGs. But that's why I do enjoy like the I'm making this run so that I can so i can squeeze out the x you know one more second of efficiency that i actually enjoy so maybe i'm weird um well no i mean that's that's equally as important or as fun as you know the gameplay process or plus the strafe ability was just so much fun when you were a boson that was you know it's like games within games where you know it's like okay how good can i get at this thing so it's like you know obviously you have stuff like that when it comes to like an fps or a sports game or a racing game where it's like okay i want to i don't want to just beat them i want to beat them by like 40 points or i don't want to just beat this best time i want to beat this best time by so many seconds like all that stuff you know when it comes to diablo it's like okay i want to be so effing like efficient at this so have the numbers so ridiculously high that i can do you know i can do x run and y amount of time or whatever you know you reminded me of goals for yourself you reminded me of one of the the stupidest goals that uh we ever that that ever had as a kid playing uh playing uh ea sports nhl 94 on the SNES. there was a particular way you could approach the goal that made it so that the goalie was flat out never going to block the shot um it beat the ai um so to get to to get to the point of this story i once set a goal for myself in one game of hockey to score a hat trick with every single member of my team including the goalie (laughs) wow that's uh and I a... did it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because literally, you just moved up slightly to the right of the, uh, of the, of, you moved up, uh, straight up, straight onto the goal. You pulled left and then you shot, you pulled right, 
shot left into the into the left corner. The goalie always dove to his right hand side or Pretty to his left hand side, I should say. So it always went in. You know, limitations of of the AI in '94. What do you want? But right, uh, right. <laughs> with the goalie, it's the most insulting thing you can do. Yeah, I would say you're dunking on them, but then I'm mixing my sports metaphors. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that and, in, and in uh, EA Sports uh, NBA 97, there was a particular spot on the three-point line that uh, if you did a fadeaway three-point line shot on that line, on that spot, regardless of your character's ability to shoot three-point shots, <laughs> it would all it would go in. <laughs> By the way, that's a uh, that's another episode in the making. I think is uh, crazy shit you've pulled <laughs> off in video games. That'll be a fun episode. Lots of stories, no doubt. I, I like this. I like this plan. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. <laughs> Chris, you accumulate those uh, you accumulate those stories pretty quickly when you're playing FPSs. Just like the ridiculous, yes, like, ridiculously improbable shots, or like you being you doing something really crazy good, or somebody else doing something really crazy stupid, or the most fun stories are where both of those things happen, <laughs> or like someone else isn't playing so great, and then you exploit that. And, like, take out the I have I have it. such a story, but I will not save um, save that save that material. But I, I will not uh, say anything about it until uh, until uh, what you call it. Uh, the actual episode. Indeed. Uh, I have a story concerning Team Fortress. We will leave it at that. Fair enough. Let me let me uh, let me ask you just this one question though. Does it involve you being a spy? Um, no. In if this particular case, it, it involves me being a sniper for the okay. most part. Sniper sniper was my was my main go to uh, class uh, in TF2. Those are the funniest stories with the spy stories. No, this this is a different story, but it it's a good one. But we will have to tell it. Oh, yes, I'm sure there's plenty of good sniping stories too. Oh, I also have a great one for Day of Defeat, but we also won't tell that story until later. Um, <laughs> Indeed. I'm kind of out of things to say. I, re- I realize we're kind of petering out, but I guess also we've been going for like a. Right. Oh, I have some. I have a couple of things. Keep going, touch. Mike. How how um, how is uh how is Shadow Ender? You're just doing it on purpose now, right? Yes. Yeah. I literally mixed the two of them this time. <laughs> Exactly. That was the that was the hint. Uh, well, it's freaking amazing. Uh, it's so good. I'm I'm closing in on the last few quests at the end of the story, and uh, man, it's been a been a hell of a ride. And just even a you know story aside, like everything else is really good too. It's just amazing. It's so damn good. Uh, it's pretty crazy because it's like it's concluding the arc of a story that has essentially been ongoing since November 2013 is when a Realm Reborn launched. Yeah. So basically, um, basically eight years um, or 10, if you want to consider the garbage 1.0 version. But why would you want to read that? Um, there's not a whole lot of I mean, there's some references and stuff, but, you know, there's a reason they destroyed their own world. Like, <laughs> it's not like there's some important thing you need to know. So yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's so, so damn good. It's so good. And I haven't even tried the new jobs yet. There's the the Reaper job, which, um, you know, intent, you use a giant fucking scythe for a weapon. Um, <laughs> and that's a melee DPS, of course. And, uh, and then what? The- I thought it'd be a spellcaster. Yeah, I know, right? Although in a weird spell. way, it's kind of is. It's not a spellcaster, but it's like, you know, it's not a, like it uses weird, like, you know, bad juju energy, you know, where it's like okay. death energy and stuff. And that's that's kind of the conceit of it is that you have this like weird death avatar thing going on where you go into some kind of like crazy, like edgelord anime mode whenever you charge up your class resource or job resource. I'm so used to calling it classes, but yeah. yeah. 
interchangeable job class. Everyone knows what you're about. But uh, and then the other one is Sage, which is like um, basically um, it's kind of like a shadow priest from WoW kind of a thing where it's like you deal damage and then use that damage dealing to heal allies. And you have this it's a weird, unique weapon where it's like, um, you know, those uh, phantasm movies where you have like little orbs that hover around and like gear themselves into people's heads. It's uh, it's kind of like that. Only instead of having the orbs skewer people, the orbs are little things that uh, they're like they're like little dagger shaped things that fire lasers. It's like you have these little hovery pew pew things for your weapon. It's really weird. Cool. Really cool. Uh, yeah. I'm reading, um, I'm reading the reviews for Endwalker right I now. I haven't on, I haven't tried Steam. the new I haven't tried the new jobs yet, but um, they look really interesting and um, it's cool that it's they start at level seventy, so you don't have to like do a bunch of like soul crushing grinding just to get it on par to do newer content. Yeah. It's basically to give you a baseline here. Um, when ARR came out, it was level 50 cap. And then with each expansion, it went up 10 levels. So you had Heaven's Word 60, Stormblood 70, Shadowbringers 80, and now 90 at um, Endwalker. Mm-hmm. So you just start off just right off the bat at 70. And all you have to do is like have a class with that level to have it unlocked and do the request thing. Like that's it. So you can just jump right in and not have to do a bunch of grinding to, uh, you know, do relevant content. Of course, that's a whole other tangent, but the, the beauty of FF14's design is that um, all of the content is relevant because of the way they do like syncing and item level syncing and stuff. And um, you can find groups for pretty much any content. Um, I mean, to various extents, but it's like you have stuff that goes all the way back from ARR days up to the brand new stuff. And like you can just find people that want to do it for whatever reason with like different rewards and incentives and stuff to do the different content and instead of just like jettisoning it into the ether, like with World of Warcraft, where it's just like, oh, well, now you. Now there's like no reason to do any of this stuff. And it's like this expansions are kind of treated like disposable things, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but anyway, and Walker's fucking amazing. Um, it's uh, actually they're um, they're they're releasing their first raid set uh, with this patch that is uh, being worked on right now. So looking forward to that. I've never really been a big raider. I did a little bit of raiding in WoW, um, but I started to get into it in Final Fantasy. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. And um, that's another thing, too, is uh, it's really great for raiding because you don't have to make alt characters to do different jobs. You can just have one character that does all the jobs. You just, like, switch out the weapon and then poof, you're a different job, you know? So if you want to try out a different role or your raid group needs a role to fill, you can just be like, all right, well, I'm normally a tank, but now I'm going to DPS, or I'm normally DPS, and I'm going to heal, or whatever. So you can just kind of adapt on the fly as needed. It's a lot more convenient when people don't have to level alts or log in and out of characters and stuff to fill the gaps. So many people just have different jobs level, and you just you just hit a little button, poof, your entire gear set has changed to the new thing. Pretty nice. But yeah, it's, it's super badass. I love it. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, gushing about it whenever we do our uh, MMO expansion episode. <laughs> but you guys are going to have to do that one because I don't play very many much in the way of MMOs. I don't really Actually. either, but I can, I, I can fake it. Uh, <laughs> so, so real quick, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, just a late shout out and a possible, uh, you know, possible, uh, um, oh, good episode idea. Um, Critical Role, uh, Le- Legend of Vox Machina premieres a week early in, Jan- in late January. I think early, you guys would have to do that one without me. Early compared to what? I've never been much of a critter. It was originally scheduled for February 2nd, but now it's coming out on January uh, 28th. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was far enough away that I didn't pay much attention to the specific yeah. dates. That's so, cool. You guys would probably have to do that one by yourself. I've never been much of a critter. I, I get the appeal. It's just it's not mm-hmm. for me. I, I well, this is don't... an animated. This isn't. Uh, this isn't the. This is an animated series based on that. So it yeah. might be worth watching. I don't know. Oh, um, 
minor, small, almost spoiler for the Spider-Man after credit scene. Um, if you haven't watched What If, you're probably going to want to. Okay. I've already watched it all, so I'm good. I'm just saying, this is more for, more sort of for the, uh, for the audience. Right. If you haven't watched What If, like me, for whatever reason, looks like that's probably going to be, if you, if you want to be, uh, 100% on top of things, it might be somewhat required. So that is all, as far as that goes. We, we here at, uh, at Geek Fanthology want to wish you a very... Happy uh, New Year, because this is going to be coming out, I think, after all the uh, various winter holidays other than New Year have concluded. Concluded. Um, this has been Neil. The one true Ben. And Mike. And we will see you next year on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It is brought to you by a letter and a number. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If there was interstitial music in this episode, it'll be listed in the doobly-doo. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it in your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us. If you're listening on Spotify, please follow us, etc., etc. Anything that you can do to help boost the signal and work the algorithm to make us more discoverable is appreciated. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website or a reoccurring one on Patreon at patreon.com slash theory. A final thought. This outro is recorded in advance, and you may never hear it. It kind of depends on whether Neil has time to record a regular outro for an episode or if something gets in the way. <laughs>